Welcome everybody to Just Realities, the podcast that explores the concept of justice. I am Santiago Perez and I am going to be the host today. In this podcast, we explore the concept of justice and how it takes different meanings depending on the social, geographical, cultural and historical context. And this is also a space for people to portray their ideas, their case studies and their thoughts about the current social, cultural, economic and environmental challenges that we face today and share and propose alternative solutions towards uh, more just realities around the globe. Today with us you have me as a guest and as a host and uh, I just want to take this opportunity to share with you uh, what is my research about, who I am, where I'm coming from and uh, it's going to be more like a thinking out loud session where I'm going to share with you some of my ideas, some of my thoughts and my experience and, and all of that. Um, also, please, I would love to receive some feedback from you so you can do it through a vocal message using anchor.fm or you can do it just sending me an email, or if you have my number, you can just, you know, send me a WhatsApp, and uh, well, there you go. So I hope you enjoy this episode. It's going to be a different one, let's say that, but I hope equally interesting as the previous ones. Let's take a big breath, and here we start. So let's start with the easy part of things. So I am, I'm Santiago Perez. I am a second year PhD student in France. I'm living in a tiny but lovely, lovely town called Troyes, which is kind of southeast from Paris. So if you ever go to Paris, just send me a message and I'll be very happy to welcome you in Troyes. And that also might be a great chance to actually do an episode together and being in the same room, which has not happened so far because we've been in lockdown due to COVID-19 and we're, of course, respecting all the distances and, and, and all of that. And uh, so just give me a shout when you come to Paris. That's all I wanted to say. So let's start the episode. Um, so I want to start by proposing you a mental exercise. Um, you are. Go I'm going to give you two scenarios and you're going to be very creative and you're going to open your imagination here. Um, so scenario one, uh, you receive a call from NASA or the European Space Agency or whatever, Elon Musk or someone, and they are telling you uh, you are going to Mars. So you have one week, well, maybe two weeks so you can prepare, uh, and uh, then you go, all right? So that's scenario one. Now, scenario two, you decide to sail around the world, right? Uh, so same thing, you have one or two weeks to prepare, blah, blah, blah. Um, now, that's the end of scenario two. Now, what those two scenarios have in common is that you're going to be kind of confined to a ship, either a spaceship or a boat, right? So, and so you have limited space, and as you have limited space, you have limited things that you can bring with you, right? So you only bring necessary things so you can survive, of course, if, you know, that's one of your goals. So you have that task of thinking what is it that you bring. 
not only the things that are required for your survival, but also just think that it's going to be a long, long trip. And, you know, you want to have fun as well. And, you know, it's, it's kind of... That's kind of the question there. Uh, you have limited space and you can only carry limited resources there. Um, so what is it that you do? What is it that you bring? Now, if you really want to participate in these, shoot me a message, a vocal message, a written message, or SMS, or WhatsApp, whatever, um, and just share those things uh, with me. Now, the intention of doing this exercise is that we are actually in the same situation. The difference is that we are all together in this same situation. If you think about it, the planet Earth and everything that's within the planet Earth can be considered the spaceship. And we're literally traveling through space, right? Now, for the spaceship and the boat, you need some kind of energy that's pushing you uh, towards, you know, your destination, either Mars or just kind of sailing around the world. Um, you, you choose that technology, and that's fine. Um, also, you need more technology to store the food, to cook, or even to produce the food, um, and to entertain yourself, and to, you know, technology that supplies all the needs, uh, that supply a solution for all the needs that you might find during the journey. Now, it's the same thing for the spaceship Earth. It's just that the technology that this ship is using, we've called it the biosphere, right? So it's the same thing. It's all the things that we need in order to eat, to sleep, to be comfortable, to, uh, you know, supply all the needs that we might have. Um, now, there is a big difference there. And is that for the boat and for the spaceship, we are the creators of that technology. So we figure out a way in which we can take a spaceship and launch it to Mars, or take a boat, put it on the ocean, and sail around the world. So it's something, it, it, seem, it seemed like an achievement of, of humans uh, that we've managed to do that, and we appreciate that a lot. Now, for the planet Earth, this technology we call the biosphere was there, and it has been there for a long, long time. So it doesn't belong to us, it belongs to the ship, in a way, okay? And I think it's there where we can find the largest difference on these scenarios. And is that for scenario one and scenario two, you are part of the crew. You know the technology, you know how to use it, or you've been trained on how to use the technology, and you somehow appropriate that um, function of the ship and you do it yourself, you maintain it, and you make sure that everything works fine. Otherwise, well, easily you would die. But in the case of the spaceship Earth, as the technology was not created by us, and we are learning how to um, deal with it, how to manage it, 
we have been more like the passengers of the ship. And we have less, we have felt less responsibility to it. Which has led humanity to cause irreparable damages on these spaceship Earth. And the reflection here is that we should act more as the crew of the spaceship Earth and less as a passenger. We need to be active and we need to be actively involved in sustaining that biosphere technology that has been somehow granted to us by the planet. So that's just a tiny reflection that I want you to think about um, before I go more into my research topic that as it is focused on industrial ecology, it has to do with the resources that we use, how we use them, and how we produce them, and what's the impact of those things, not just for the planet and all these spaceship Earth, but to us, the humans living within the ship, okay? I also want to say that, of course, in terms of um, time scale, this is, I mean, there is no resemblance of having millions and millions of years of evolution uh, towards developing this biosphere, this technology in Earth, and the time that we put into developing a spaceship or a boat, and same thing applies for the trip, the, the, the journey. The journey towards Mars might be a couple of years. Uh, sailing around the world, it would be, you know, a couple of months. But the spaceship Earth is, I mean, we still have no notion of where is this journey uh, taking us and how long is it going to take, right? So those are kind of important things that I want you um, to think about. Now, I'm giving you these two examples because those are two kind of real examples of people that are working on circular economy and industrial ecology for a long time now. So the first example of the, the spaceship to Mars, it comes from Sudan Erkman, who's one of the fathers of industrial ecology, at least here in, in Europe. And, um, and he proposes that as a way to, to make us think about the ecosystem in which we live, right? And all the needs that we need to... Uh, fulfill in order to be successful as a species, to be successful as a society. Um, so he proposes these travel, this trip to Mars, and that, you know, as it's a long trip and we don't have uh, that much space and we don't have enough power to bring everything that we would like to bring with us uh, into the ship, then we'll need to have some kind of uh, system, some kind of technology that mimics that biosphere. So something that can produce oxygen, that can uh, potentially make us grow food within the ship so we don't starve to death, um, and, and all of those things, right? And this is like, this is a serious project that Suring Erkman has been uh, working on for the last, I think, decade. Uh, along with different space agencies, and is how to how to create that kind of ecosystem within the spaceship so people can 
comfortably travel to Mars, okay? Now, the second example, the second scenario is of the boat. It comes straight from Ellen MacArthur. So she's the founder of the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, one of the largest organizations um, that have taken the role of communicating and developing a lot of solutions uh, so we can transform our kind of ill economy into something better for the planet, better for the people and, and all that. Kate is also the author of the book Donut Economics, Seven Ways to Think Like a 21st Century Economist, which has been a bestseller since 2017 when she launched it. Um, and in the book, she sets out seven ways to fundamentally reframe our understanding of what economics is and what it does. And along the way, she points out how we can break our addiction to growth, how we can redesign money, finance, and business to be in service to the people rather than just the economy. And also, she touches on how to create economies that are uh, regenerative and distributive by design. Totally recommended. You can find the link to the book on the description of this episode. So she proposes us to have a collective reflection on the economic system that we have right now and what can we do to make it more resilient, to make it stronger and to make it specially designed not just for benefiting us as humans but for benefiting the whole ship of this planet Earth. So here is where my um, research uh, focus jumps in and uh, as I said before, I do research on industrial ecology, which, you know, initially you would think that those two words, industrial and ecology, are kind of contradicting each other. But, you know, we figure out that is not the case, at least not that much. Now, here we go back in time and we start thinking about how we started to do science. And the main thing is that we started doing science as soon as we started trying to understand what's happening in nature and how that affects us and affects other species and the environment and all of that. So, you know, we discover the laws of physics, we discover chemical reactions, we discover all these technology that we call the biosphere. And then we start sort of replicating it. We start using it. As soon as we know what's going on, we are going to start to mimic that in a, let's say, artificial way. So industrial ecology is not far from that. Industrial ecology is more like a metaphor based in nature, right? And how can we apply it to industrial complex? Um... So what we're trying to do is that we see how these amazing biosphere works and the things that are all connected and interdependent and th we have like synergies happening everywhere among different species and different uh, uh, ecosystems and all that. And that's what we are trying to do as industrial ecologists. First, we need to know what's out there. What have we created that we called industry and how it relates to all the social and political and, and environmental processes around it. Uh, and then we start finding all the relationships that are possible within that, you know, artificial ecosystem, okay? So in that way, 
the main goal of the industrial ecology in replicating natural ecosystems is that within the natural ecosystems, there is nothing that we can call waste. Everything gets used by someone else, somewhere else. There is no waste. And that's the main objective of industrial ecology. We're trying to figure out how to reduce to the very minimum all the waste that we produce on that industrial ecosystem, right? So that's kind of the metaphor, and that's where industrial ecology comes from. So in order to do that, um, then industrial ecology is looking to do pretty much three things. is understanding how all those industrial systems work. They are all complex entities, and they comprise material and non-material elements. So, you know, like water, energy, and different, like, actually material, like raw materials and processed materials and all that, but non-material elements, like the relationships between the people working on those um, contexts. Then the second thing is how they are regulated. So how do we regulate industry? And that depends very much on the, on the kind of geopolitical context in which that industry is found. And then the third thing is we need to see how they interact with the biosphere, right? What's the effect of having an industry in that specific place for the biosphere? Biosphere comprises humans, nature, and on and on and on. So on the basis of those two of those three things, and based on what we know about ecosystems at this point, we determine how those industrial ecosystems are compatible with the dynamics of the natural ecosystems that surround them. Now, one more thing that we shared with the natural ecosystems is that these industrial ecosystems are quite complex. Um, we have gone through centuries of industrialization and things have become more and more complex. And with new technologies, we add more complexity. So, of course, it's not as complex as the biosphere or, you know, the global ecosystem, but it's highly complex. And we need to address that complexity by thinking on a very systemic way. And as we have different ecosystems in nature, we have different industrial ecosystems around the world. So it, it adds up some complexity and some kind of embeddedness of those industrial processes within very specific territories. You know, you can have an endemic species in the Amazon, and it's the same thing. You can have a very endemic industry in the south of France, so to say, okay? So that leaves us with industrial ecosystems are not isolated uh, from their surrounding environment. Uh, and by surrounding environment, I mean all the social parts of so the people and the relationships within, within the people, uh, the natural ecosystem, the economic system that we have, and all the cultural systems that we create in a very endemic way, so that are proper from from a very specific area. And there we touch identity, values, religions, uh, all the uh, social components that makes 
civilizations be what they are at this point, right? So they must be analyzed, these industrial systems, they, they must be analyzed in a temporal and spatial dimension that is rather large. And, and so with the goal of understanding what's the impact of those things um, for good or for bad, in, in our case, industrial ecologies, we're trying to do to move towards sustainability. Now, this is a big point. What is sustainability? And this is something that I really like to say all the time, and is that sustainability, I say it's a liquid concept. So I'm borrowing that concept of liquidity from one of the most influential philosophers and sociologists of this century, who's called Sigmund Bauman. And he was... Um, he was thinking about the state of society in this kind of postmodern world, you know, and for him it was problematic. So he started using the term liquid modernity, and that concept is referring to the condition of constant mobility and change that he was seeing in relationships, in identities, in the global economy, uh, within our contemporary society. So he referred not to modernity and postmodernity, but he was referring more as modernity as a solid modernity that had uh, a very normative way of doing things to a liquid form, which is the postmodernity where things are constantly flowing and there is a flux of information, people, uh, identities, relationships that seems not to have any normative um, power. As usual, you can find the reference of Sigmund Bauman, uh, especially to one of my favorite books that's called Liquid Modernity on the description of this episode. So just click on it if you want to know more about it. It's highly interesting. And by saying a liquid concept, I mean that, you know, as much as liquids, the concept of sustainability should be contained. Otherwise, it spills over. It doesn't have any shape. So you put water on a bottle and then that water takes the shape of the bottle. Sustainability is the same thing. Depending on those external constraints that you kind of build around the concept, you have a very specific notion or understanding what sustainability is. So there we add another level of complexity. So if we want to achieve sustainability doing industrial ecology, then we should reflect on what sustainability means for that specific place where the industrial ecology processes or these industrial systems uh, are based in. Now, as an anthropologist, this is fascinating just figuring out how we construct and deconstruct the concepts of sustainability, industrial ecology, modernity, and all that is, is just, it's fascinating. And that's part of what I'm doing as a researcher. So I want to understand all the power relationships that are, are being played within an industrial ecosystem so I can figure out how those projects are born, how they develop, what makes them successful or not, 
and how can they contribute to achieve sustainability within their territories. So that, that means sustainability in different forms, in social, environmental, economic, and cultural forms. So doing a qualitative analysis of all the interactions, of the motivations, of the values, ideas, and beliefs from uh, the representatives of the different sectors of society, that is public, private, third sector, civil society, and, and as many as you want to include there, um, I hope to find um, the network of relationships that allow those, let's call them endemic industrial ecosystems to work. All that with the goal of kind of revealing the potential of those uh, industrial ecosystems in order to achieve further sustainability. So in principle, industrial ecology and these industrial ecosystems, they are always trying to reduce their impact, their negative impact in society, uh, the environment and the economy and, and, and all of that. But now I'm trying to figure out what is the real potential of those ecosystems to bring even more things, not just reducing the negative consequences and the negative impacts, but how can they construct, how can they build a new paradigm, an endemic paradigm of sustainability in the territories where they are based in. And I hope that we're able to find all those mechanisms behind the system so we can mobilize them towards more sustainable practices. And this mobilization is it's physical and non-physical. By physical, I mean that all these industries, they require some sort of material asset. And they grab those materials, then they use energy to transform them. And as a result, you get products or you get services. Now, that's the physical part of things. Now, the non-physical aspect, it has to do with how do people make decisions, why they make decisions, and when to make those decisions. So, as we are in this kind of theater play happening in these industrial ecosystems, where we have different sectors of society playing their specific roles, and as in the theater play, we need to build, we need to construct, we need to write a very comprehensive script that we all learn by heart, that we all practice, and that we all participate in as fundamental parts of the whole play. Now, the play that we are trying to do is the future. It's a more sustainable future. And each one of us has a very specific role to play there are some lead characters, there are some secondary characters, there are the stage managers, there is the light manager, there is the sound manager. We have an infinity of roles that we need to fulfill in order to have a very successful play. A play that is not just comprehensive, but that is beautiful. And it's beautiful because it's simple. And I mean simple not in a way of lacking complexity, but in a way that we can all relate to it.
that we can all understand the logic behind it. That's where the simple becomes beautiful. And the beautiful is within the complexity of the message. Now, that was a very passionate kind of monologue happening there. Now, I want you to listen from the words of Mariam Sherto and, and her voice, uh, the description of what industrial ecology is. Here it goes. The idea of industrial ecology is not only to look at the fact that companies, because they use a lot of materials and energy and make big things pollute, but we also think of companies as those that are the most technologically inclined, those that have a great deal of expertise that can help to reduce our environmental burden as well. So we really try to look at the good side and say, if you're innovating, if you're investing, then you'll be making less and less pollution because it's costing you money and also because you care about the world and you know that uh, you can price water, but if there is no water, it doesn't help very much and you're trying to make Coca-Cola in India. So uh, we really bring the two together perhaps more than other fields, but in a kind of a neutral way because we're based on the question, where does stuff come from and where does it go? Where's all the copper in the world? Where does it start out? Perhaps it starts at a mine in Chile. It gets processed. It's an energy intensive process, but eventually the copper winds up in this wall as plumbing or in your computer. And then what happens 30 or 40 or 50 years later when the university decides to build a new building, where does that copper go? Does it just go to a landfill? Can we reuse the copper? Even though it's been a long time, a lot of energy went into making that copper. And by reusing it, we save resources. So we're really looking at the whole life cycle from some people say cradle to grave, some people say cradle to cradle. Um, and we want to know all the environmental impacts that are happening everywhere along that line so that we can study the whole system. People might say that uh, growing sugar takes a lot of water. It does. But there's also sugar cane that you can reuse. There's the organic material that comes out of the sugar, which, is, which we call molasses. And that also can be used as a food product. So if you take a systems view, does all of that stuff together have a greater or a lesser burden than some other product? And that's how we look at the world. Well, so I forgot to mention, but Marion Sherito, she's one of the lead researchers on industrial ecology and industrial symbiosis in the world. She's a professor of industrial environmental management at the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies at the University of Yale. And she's also the director of the Center for Industrial Ecology. Um, she's, she's really one of the big authorities on this topic, and it's worth for you to check out uh, her references. I put a video in the description as well. So now that was probably a more comprehensive, but definitely a shorter version of what I was trying to explain before, um, but one point that I want to make uh, right now, and it's kind of food for thought for all of you, is that even if we're trying to do that, we need to understand that we live within an economic system that gives the priority to produce and consume regardless of the consequences. Now, that's a systemic problem. And that systemic problem can only be tackled with systemic solutions. 
So industrial ecology, it's really just a tool. So it's a tool in a very large toolbox that we can use in order to transform our society into something that could potentially become more sustainable. Okay, so I have two final remarks that I want to share with you uh, now that it's the end of the episode. Um, I want you to think about this and to take it home and if you like them, to share them with the people that you know and also why not the people that you don't know. Just put on social media and see what's the reaction of people. So the first remark is... Uh, we are living within the wrong narrative. Uh, we think that we are passengers on this spaceship Earth, and that's not the case. We are part of the crew, and we have responsibilities as, as part of the crew. And, you know, we need to start becoming more crew and less passengers. And we need to do that now. I believe we all have the enormous capacity and unlimited capabilities to transform the world as it is right now into something way better. Becoming the crew of the spaceship requires a lot of responsibility and it requires dedication and it requires a high degree of commitment. And we all have it. We probably have not just explored the full potential of that commitment. Um, now, the second remark is that we are living within a very weird economic system. One that is suicidal. One that can no sustain itself within a long period of time. One that is not only suicidal, but is homicidal as well. It kills everything around it until it dies. It's a system that only cares about its reproduction and nothing else. It doesn't care about life. It doesn't care about justice. It doesn't care about anything else but its own reproduction. Now, the good news is that we humans have created the system. So we have the potential of changing the system as well. We created the system at one point in order to satisfy a set of needs that we had back in time. But we're using the same system that we've created centuries ago. Now, the system, the, the, the economic system, has passed way beyond the expiry date. It's time now to come up with new solutions for the new challenges that we face. Challenges that we could probably not predict, but that now we face and are part of our realities. The problem here is that as we've had the system for so long, it has become an essential part of our lives and we've made it essential. So we need to start rethinking our realities. And if we want to really transform this world into a more just world, into a more sustainable world, we should be aware of all the actions that we take every day to understand if we are contributing to a new economic system or we are actually helping the reproduction of these suicidal, homicidal economic system that we have today.
Well, I, I stop there. I don't want to sound preachy or anything, um, but that's just kind of a, a self-reflection there. And to me, it's part of the motivations of, for doing these, these PhD. Um, I feel we have the responsibility of changing industry and not just in the processes of, of, of industrialization, but in the role of industry within society. I want to use the industrial systems that we have, all these complex of, of industries, to explore all the human and territorial capabilities that we can explore in order to become better, more sustainable, more just, more equitable. Industry serving as a platform to explore creativity, to explore uniqueness, to help us explore our passions, our purpose of life within this planet. I would like industry to be a complement of these wonderful natural technology that we call biosphere. And I do feel the responsibility as a researcher to find solutions so we get to that point. Uh, well, I think that's, uh, that's a lot of the thoughts that I had today. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback on it. I would love to hear your opinions. So please, please uh, write me comments, uh, send me some uh, voice memos on anchor.fm and all of that. Um, and yeah, so if you want to know more about the things that I'm doing in a more precise way, uh, don't, don't hesitate contacting me. Uh, you have the email just kind of just below on the description of the of this episode, and uh, I'd love to have a talk with anybody uh, about that. Uh, and I, you know, that's one of the purpose of why I am doing this podcast is because I want to talk to people. <laughs> um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Bye bye. Well, this is the end of the episode today. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll come back in two weeks with a brand new episode. And this is just a reminder for anybody who would like to participate in the podcast, either as a host, as a guest, as part of our research or our tech teams, shoot us an email. You'll find the email on the description of this episode and every other episode. Also, all the references that we use during these podcasts are on the description of this episode. Please don't forget to share the fun, subscribe to this podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, and pretty much all the platforms. Share the fun, tell your friends, tell your family. We would appreciate that a lot. Thank you. See you soon. Take care. And if you can, please take care of someone else. Bye-bye.